Welcome, everybody, to this edition of the Ranting Ron Show. Today, I have the infamous Paul Hamilton here with me today to talk about some Sabres hockey. How are you doing, Paul? I'm well. How are you this afternoon? I'm living the dream, man. It's a hot one today, but it's been, it's been hot lately. So, you know, so, so how's it going with Channel 2? Enjoying it? Yeah, yeah. No, it's, I was really honored and flattered that uh, I think it was two hours after the news had gotten out that uh, GR had let me go that uh, Channel 2 came calling and Adam Benini talked to me and they were interested in commentaries and that sounded great. I mean, I never really had done TV before. So, you know, as they always say, get out of your comfort zone, you know, and uh, I've been in the same zone for many, many years and it's, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun so far. Oh, that's awesome. And that's good. You're li- I'm glad because when I saw it, I'm thinking, okay, well, he'll just go back whenever the Sabres start up again. But, uh, what, you know, it, a lot of people are in the same boat, you know. Um, a lot of the writers. That's a possibility. I mean, it's, you, you know, right now there isn't a job to go back to. They right. eliminated my job. But, you know, there's also where there was going to be no Sabres for a long, long time. And, yeah. uh you know, the, the local people would, I think, like to have me back, and you never know. I mean, you just don't know. Uh, once the Sabres come back, maybe maybe there would be an opportunity to go back there, and uh, we'll have to wait and see. Right. Well, I hope so. I like hearing you on the radio. You know that. So I'll call them once I'm on there. Um, I, I, from what I'm hearing is they're hoping to start the new season November 1st. Um, that's way different than what I heard about a month ago. It was January 1st, but November 1st sounds – November 1st. Was that? December 1st. They okay, go to December training 1st. camp in the middle of November. Okay. And then uh, they would uh, start December 1st. The only problem I foresee, and it's a big problem, honestly, I don't see it happening because I don't think they may have a vaccine by then, but it's not going to be widely distributed by then. I mean, once you have a vaccine, it has to be distributed and, and to be able to get it. And I think the NHL is a league that has to have fans. I mean, the NFL has a multi-billion-dollar television contract. I think I've read—don't uh, hold me to these figures—but I think I've read that an NFL team has made sixty million dollars before they sell a ticket, just from yeah. the TV revenues alone. Yeah, so they can survive. Yeah, they're losing revenue because they don't have fans. They're not going to make as much money as they were going to make. But the NHL. I don't even know if owners get a million dollars out of that TV contract or it's, it's around there. And that's not enough to be able to do a, a season. I mean, their ticket generated uh, concession generated, you know, buying the shirts and the hats and all that kind of thing. And I just cannot see the the playoff bubble is different right. because the players have already been paid. So they've already made their salaries. So you're not paying players. So what they're doing right now is a lot different than what if they try to start a season. So I just don't see a season happening on December 1st, to be quite honest. As a matter of fact, I don't see a return to the NHL until they're back. Right. I know we're picking up some static on your end there, so I don't know. All right. Okay, we're good. What um, it's weird was when this first happened, that, that night we were in Montreal – I remember, I think, I think you were on the radio the next day, real that same week. I know you were on the radio and you said, guys, don't think this is going to come back. And this is going to be a long, long, long time. And you, you're the only person that said that. I mean, I, people argue with me saying, Oh, it's going to be a few weeks. And I said, I don't know. Paul Hamilton says it's going to be a long time. And well, check one up for you. I wish you're wrong. And I know you wish you're wrong. Yeah. 
you know, it just, it just the way it was trending and, you know, who would have ever thought, you know, I was sitting there having dinner with Rob Ray and Dan Dunleavy and, and, uh, and uh, Jordan LaBarber and some of the folks from the Sabres and we're sitting a, now we're sitting in the COVID Mecca of Canada. Montreal was the worst place you could have been, but we didn't know that. So, you know, we're sitting at a bar restaurant having dinner and talking and, I remember it was just starting. We had a game against the Flyers. This was Wednesday. It was a Saturday before. And that's when it came out that maybe we wouldn't be allowed in the locker rooms. We were. We were. But that's kind of when it started getting talked about. Then practice on Monday, we had to socially distance. And we were not allowed in the locker room. Right. Monday and Tuesday's practices. Now we go to Montreal. And we're having dinner. And I remember saying to Rob uh, and the guys, I, I said, I bet by Friday we won't have fans in the stands because Friday was a home game. And then the NBA thing hit. That's, that's the night that the first positive player from the NBA, they put their season on hold. And then we didn't even get to a morning skate the next day. Right. And, uh, you know, we wound up taking a plane home. And that was the end of it. And I think back to that night and – it just blows me away that I, I was sitting there that night not knowing that I was going to be out of a job. Right. Not only were we going to lose a season, I was going to lose the thing that I love the most. You know, the thing that, you know, people say, well, I feel sorry for you. I cover a bad hockey team. I feel sorry for me. I cover hockey for a living. I'm not digging ditches out in 98-degree weather or 2-degree weather or right. something like that. You know, so don't ever feel sorry for me. And the, the, the job I've loved for all those years all of a sudden was gone within a matter of weeks because I was put on furlough, I think it was April 3rd. And if I'm being honest with you, I saw this coming. And they were totally up front. Whereas they didn't even take my equipment. Oh, you'll be back. Don't worry. This is a furlough. We're going to bring you back hopefully by July 31st. Which is um and hopefully, you know, we'll have you back and, and everything's going to be fine. And I thought to myself, hmm, i so sure about that because I, I saw the economy was crumbling and, and you know, I just, I just didn't see it. And, and I was hoping beyond hope I was wrong. Fortunately, I wasn't. And at the end of June, the call came and they said that we're terminating your employment. And I think had the Sabres been part of this 24 playoff, I would, and I'm guessing here. I'm only guessing, right. but I'm thinking maybe it wouldn't have happened. Right. But because there would have been hockey. Yeah. But the, the parent company, all they see, I'm a number to them. Oh, you know, right. and that's what we all are in, 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 in the radio business. It has nothing to do with your abilities or the respect you might have or anything like that. It's a number. They see the Sabres aren't going to be playing probably for a long, long, long time. So. That's where we cut. So, as I said, there's not even a job to go back to right now. But, you know, that doesn't mean there won't be, you right. know, when the Sabres play. But when's that going to be? I'll, I'm not shocked at very many things, but I think I'd be shocked if I, if I saw the Sabres playing on December 1st. Unless there's been a vaccine found and all it has to do is be distributed. So they're thinking, well, we might have to play a month or two without fans. Let's get started. And then, you know, once this gets a little bit better, we can start bringing fans in. That would be a different scenario. But if the scenario is like it is now, I I, I just can't see it at all. 
Yeah. You know, it, it happened, let's see, with the Sabres played a Monday against Washington at home, and then they went to Montreal, which was, I think it was a Wednesday or Thursday, whatever day it was. If they would have played that night and they won, they, yeah, right. I believe they would have been part of the 24. Yeah, they're in. And then when I uh, – uh, Harrington, I heard him on Brian Blessing's show on a podcast after I had him on here, and he was talking to Brian Blessing, and he said – if that would have happened and the Sabres would have won, they would have went with 20 teams because they cared about getting the Rangers and they wouldn't care about Buffalo that much. They might have only gone with 20 teams. That was his opinion, of course. Um, and who- I don't believe in that stuff in the least. Um, okay. I, I, the more teams you get in, the better it is for the NHL. Um, Buffalo has the best TV rankings in, in the United States. Yep. Bar, bar none. I mean, they watch, they watch games the Sabres aren't even involved in and are, and are in the top three every time. So yeah. I, I don't I don't think I don't believe that for one single second. Um, I still think it would have been done the same way, and uh, especially with the way Buffalo people and right now that's all the NHL has is TV rankings. You know, yeah. as far as you know how they're going to try to sell the product, and so I would think absolutely they'd want them in. All right. Okay. So I was sitting here. Um, talk with some friends and then the news came out that they were going to keep that the Sabres are going to keep Bottero for another year. Some people were upset. And um, I messaged somebody and said, I don't believe it. I don't, it's not guaranteed. I said, they said three weeks before, three or four weeks before they fired Housley, they were going to not fire him. And of course that that's here. But when they said they were going to keep Bottero, I said, I, I, you know what, just because they say that now anything can change. And then all of a sudden, I guess what it was is with the draft being pushed to uh, what, at the time we talked about October, that gave them more time. The Pagulas more time to, to rethink this. And I don't have a problem with Pagulas myself. I think they have a right to change their minds. People can sit there and say, oh, look, they're not. They did this. All oh, they said this, but now they did this. And when they say something else, they say, well, no, they're not going to do this because they said this. And I said, well, you've seen in the past, they say they have a right to change their mind. I'm sure you've changed your mind. So when Bottle was, first of all, when they said they were going to retain him, were you surprised? And when you then find out three, four, whatever weeks later it was, they let him go, were you surprised? Well, Jason decided that he's the one that changed their minds because, as Terry Pagula said in the, in the uh, Zoom call, that uh, – they weren't being heard. You know, they wanted staff cut. They wanted they, the, the way Kevin Adams is doing it is the way they wanted it done. They wanted Jason Bottrell to cut his staff and he wouldn't do it or hadn't done it yet. And they, it wasn't the first time they had said that that's what they wanted and it wasn't being done and they weren't being heard. So that's what made the decision for them is that's, that's what changed their minds is we need to do this this way we feel it's, it's a good way of doing it. He's not doing it, so we, we don't think we can live with that. And that's, that's when they let him go. So, and it probably helped that the draft was pushed back to a later date. Um, it, it's amazing that someone's not going to listen. I mean, I'm saying my boss told me to do something. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, he was really heck bent on keeping it the way it was. Then, I, then that's on him, I guess. Um, so Kevin Adams has been with the organization since like 2010 or whatever. And I know when he was, I think it was with Rochester, he was fired from Rochester as assistant coach, but it was always part of He was of assistant with the Sabres. Oh, okay. Assistant with the Sabres. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm trying to remember. Summertime's really hard, but it's been harder now with so long. So he's assistant with the Sabres under... Lindy. Who was, he, who was he under? Lindy. Okay. He was with Lindy Ruff. They let go of staff. But he was... He was 
brought, but he was never really gone. Like he kind of got another role right away, right? Yeah, they, and this goes back a while. Um, I know they were very high on him and always have been. But they felt they wanted him to experience many, many things. So they wanted to get him involved in a bunch of different things. And that's exactly what they did. And he was involved in every aspect of the operation, whether it was over at Harbor Center, whether it was with developing the kids program over there, whether it was being an assistant coach, whether it was um, he, he was put in charge of business right, until he got this GM's job. So really, they've been grooming him to do this. And I kind of thought they might have made him GM after Murray, but they didn't feel he was ready. So they, they you know, went with Bottrell. And most people felt Bottrell was the number one up-and-coming candidate to be a GM. That was pretty much unanimous. And the Pagulas heard that and thought, well, we think that's probably the way to go. I'll say this about Kevin. Kevin is a type of person that has excelled in everything he's He's not afraid to do that. Oh, you're cutting out a little bit there with your mic. Nothing. Hold on, folks. We have a quick technical difficulty there. Don't worry. I lost Brian Blessing. We had to start over. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Perfect. All right. So you're saying they were going to, you know, Bottle. And I agree with you. Bottle was like the hot guy. I don't, I will sit there to my grave and say Bottle was not a bad hire at the time. Right. I agree with that. I, I, I totally agree with that. I'm not going to be a hypocrite and say I thought it was a bad hire. I didn't say that then. Right. I thought they had gotten a very good up and coming GM candidate. Um, but Kevin is the type of guy that has excelled at everything he's tried. Most of the things he's tried, he's never done before. So this isn't new to him, you know, being in charge of the business aspect. He never done that before and did a nice job. So he is a smart guy. He does understand hockey. I think he can learn, learn the job. So we're going to find out if he can and can be a good GM, if he can recognize talent, if he can make the right trades that need to be done for the team, uh, if he can bring in the right people to surround himself with. You know, but that's that's why I always say, you know, don't count him out just because he's never been a GM. That is that is a minus against him. There's no question about it. But he has been successful at every single thing he's tried. And in almost every case, he was trying it for the first time. Yeah. Well, even Scotty Bowman was a first-time GM once. And the only time he wasn't successful, really, was here in Buffalo. This is the way it goes. You just said something really scary um, that hopefully he can learn on the job. Um I, I don't mind hire because I'm just a fan and I have to trust the people who do the hiring that they, they know better than me. Um, so, you know, so let's just hope, I mean, you know, we're going with first time GMs here. I was hoping not for GM, but I was hoping they would bring Dudley in. That doesn't look like it's going to happen, but is he, is what, you know, if you're hearing it out there, fans think that uh, he's just going to be a yes man here, that they hired him just because they can control him, that, Tim Pagula to control this. And I don't believe any of that because they own the business. I think she wants to worry about the business side. I believe if, I, if I'm thinking my, my opinion is they got the bill straightened out here. You guys run the bills good. They would love to find someone to handle the Sabres and not even worry about it. And they can handle the business side. Am I in the right thinking there? Or do you, is Kim the control freak that people say? Kim does not make hockey decisions. I mean, yes. When it comes to hiring a GM, she, her, her and her husband do it together. But Terry is more in 
in tune with the GMs. He's the one that talks to the GMs more. He's the one that talks to the coach more. He's the one that's sitting in the box. Um, so when it comes to, you know, as far as the control of, uh, you know, who's going to be around and, and who's around from a day-to-day talking to the GM, that's – it's not that Kim's not interested in it and she does – she knows what's going on. I mean, she might be part of a meeting or something like that, but Terry is much more involved when it comes to talking to Kevin Adams or talking to Ralph Kruger or talking to Jason Bottrell than Kim is, uh, not telling them what trades to make, what players to have. Now, Kim might be involved in, you know what, we're in a financial cash crunch here. We can't spend to the cap. Now, I'm not saying that's happened. Right. I'm just giving an example. Right. I got she, she would be involved in something like that, but she's not going to be involved in, well, it's between Rosen and Josh Allen for the quarterback of the Bills. Which one should we draft? And whose opinion, you know, Terry gave an opinion, but I don't think Kim did. I mean, that's not what she does. Terry actually was at a, a camp where the quarterbacks were throwing, you know, type oh, of thing. I remember that. I saw that video. Yeah. But he, in the end, though, he's going to let his – people make the final decisions he's not going to say he's not going to pull Ralph Wilson and say I want this quarterback to start in a playoff game after he sat all year so I mean if that really that's of course the story and was way back in 99 but so the owners are owners I mean I always tell people and I people get mad at me out there when I say listen they're just owners their job is to find the right GM to put the right people in charge just like any business if I own a business and I don't want to be there every day I'm going to find the right manager you run the business when I check the books and I say, man, you're not, you're not keeping your sales up for just, you know, hypothetical different story. You then have to find a new one for people who say, well, they really don't care about the Sabres. If they didn't, they wouldn't be making the firings every two years and paying people when they don't, you know, they could sit there and say, well, so oh well, he'll put his contracts up and find someone else. I think they deeply care about the Sabres and it just hasn't worked out yet. And it really annoys me when fan and I get arguments out there and I don't like to argue, but it annoys me when fans say, Oh, that's a, they're a pathetic ownership group. I don't think they are. They just haven't hit the right stride yet. And they're going to get, and yeah, it's all luck when you hire a general manager. So, you know, and um, so, you know, so they bring in Kevin Adams um, and, you know, for all, they grew him all these years. And I think it's great. Now, what I liked was hearing that in Kim, would go to the board of governor meetings when Bottero couldn't, but then she was letting Kevin Adams go instead of her. So he was getting to know some people. Does Kevin have some ties with people? I mean, he's played hockey for a long time. Obviously, he's got ties with people. But do you think it, no one's going to take him, you know, for granted, thinking, oh, he's a rookie GM? But, you know, he knows people, right? I mean. Well, he knows people, and they're gonna, there's no question they're going to try to take advantage of him. They're going to call him and offer him Johan Larson for Jack Eichel, you know, type of a trade. You know they're going to see if they can they can you know you know make 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 a really bad trade from a Sabers standpoint and try to you know really take him for granted. So they're all but the thing is all rookie GMs will experience that. Bottrell right. experienced it. Tim Murray experienced it. They're all going to get that. So that's not a disrespect at Adams. It's other GMs trying to see what they can get away with. You know, can I get a player for less type of a right. thing? So he'll have to experience that. But he knows, yes, he does know people around the National Hockey League, both as a player and and he, he's kept in touch with, with other people. And a lot of the people he's played with are now coaches and GMs and in front offices around the league. So, uh, yes, he, he you know, he does know people. 
Yeah. And that's how I feel. I feel when you've been in the, you know, like you look at uh, Ron Francis or Ron Brindamore, I'm thinking of them because Kevin played for that team. Like, you know, they started and they, you know, and they, now all of a sudden Steve Eiserman's probably one of the better GMs in the league. Right. I mean, uh, and I, if I'm right, Eiserman, I was checking the story. He became a GM like just a couple of years after his playing days. So same with Sackick. I mean, these guys came pretty quick. So I don't think it's a negative that he's new to this because he's been with the team for so long. He knows what the Sabres want. Because he's not coming here saying, okay, what do you want me to do? He knows. He's been watching the, the successes and the failures of this team for the last 10 years. And I think he's going to get a little bit longer rope than previous GMs because, I, one, I, I just have a feeling he's going to nail it. I just have a gut feeling that everything I read about him, he's smart. So hopefully I'm right. And I will say this, and I, I'll give you the other side of the coin. Garth Snow was a tire fire. Yep. I mean, they, they hired him with no GM experience, and he was – now I'm not saying that's going to be Adams, but it doesn't always work out. But you gave examples where it does. Sometimes it, it does work out. Sure. And there's some GMs that get make the worst trades in the world. Like, uh, I want to say Shirelli, right? Was he with Boston and Edmonton? That's, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Look at the trade he made. We're always saying, God, can't take that guy. I wouldn't have put me David. I mean – so, that, no, nothing's a perfect world. And um, speaking of trades, um, when you say that the Pagulas don't push a lot of people, and, I, again, I, I don't know, it's our opinion, is did the Pagulas push the ROR trade, the Ryan O'Reilly trade, in your opinion, if you know anything? I mean, that's always going to be why, well, Barros should have been fired the day he made that trade. Well, wait a minute. Any trade the GM makes, they have to still get approval from the owners. So, obviously, they were okay with the trade. But did they really push it because of $7 million? Or I believe ROR – wanted out and behind the scenes was making some noise saying, Oh, I lost the left for the game, which any player says that I wouldn't want on my team. He made it sound like he quit half the time the way he was sounding at the end. Well, they were trying to trade him long before he said that they were trying to trade him at the trade deadline. So it wasn't because he said that they decided to trade him. That's, that's a misconception that a lot of fans have. They think, well, he said that and that's that. What I think people have to realize is we did those interviews two days after the season ended. Ryan O'Reilly's a smart guy. He knows we're going to come talk to him when those two days at locker cleanout. So he knew, obviously knew what he was going to say. It wasn't like he was taken by surprise. Oh, my, I, I was asked that and shocked. I mean, so he knew what he was going to say. And I think he – I know he has said he wanted to be part of the solution, but from what I understand, he did not want to be second fiddle, and he's not in St. Louis. He's Just the number like he one guy in, in St. Louis. He yep. did not want to be behind Eichel, and he was always going to be behind Eichel here. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think a trade is, is what – I don't believe he asked to be traded, but I think that's what he might have been angling for. Why would you say what you'd said publicly if you wanted to stay in Buffalo? As I right. said, he's a smart guy. He's not, he's not, a, he's not a dumb person. Right. Are the Pagulas? Was Terry Pagula consulted? Absolutely. There's no question uh, he was consulted. I think, as an organization, this organization should have been tipped off when his car wound up in the front window of a Timmy's before he ever showed up here. Um, that was a problem. It continued to be a problem. And let's be honest, he never ever played in Buffalo like he did that one year in St. Louis. And if you look at this year, he was kind of back to the way he was in Buffalo. Some nights good, some nights not. He didn't have Tarasenko. And he told me himself, one of the biggest reasons for his success last year was Tarasenko. He said, I've never had a winger like him before, ever. You know, and that that was him telling me that. 
Yeah. You know, so, um, you know, I, there, there, there were too many times after a game when he was doing all that, oh, well, you know, it's my fault and all that garbage, where I didn't disagree with him. You know, I, I, there were some overtimes where it was directly his fault they lost. Now, there's some overtimes he scored the overtime goal, too. But he never even came close to playing in Buffalo like he did in St. Louis. He was not this two-way player. He, he was – in Buffalo, he was not as good defensively as he was last year in St. Louis. There were times in the defensive zone, you're like, what are you doing? And all of a sudden, a puck's in the net, and he's standing there like a spinning top or hadn't even moved, and his guy put the puck in the net. And it's just – what we saw in St. Louis last year is what I kept saying the whole time he was here, if you remember. I kept saying he should be better. He should have more than 50, of the high 50s in points. He should be approaching 70 points. I said that from the start. I, I always felt there was so much more to Ryan O'Reilly than we were seeing in Buffalo, and we found that out last year. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I never rooted so hard against a team in my life when those playoffs started. Because I put I put out on Twitter, I, Ryan O'Reilly will never win a cup in St. Louis, and everyone reminded me every round that I said that. But hey, you know what? I was just really hoping because I don't dislike O'Reilly, but when I hear and I played hockey for thirty years, when I hear a player say, "Oh, some nights I just went out there going through the motions just so I didn't make a mistake," or just because, I'm like, what do you mean, man? You are playing the greatest game in the world, getting paid a lot of money to do it. I did it for free taking the pain and you go out there and give your hardest man no matter what situation you're in and that it turned me off I was saying all season I, I, I didn't like to trade for him I didn't because I knew how he was in Colorado uh, my friend I friend the media out in Colorado and he said you're not gonna like him and he was the same way in Colorado where he didn't want to be second fiddle he wanted to be paid I heard his dad gets involved in some of it I don't know how much that's true but I heard things so I didn't like to trade the day we traded for him and I was happy that the day we traded away now, I guess if that $7 million wasn't looming, could a bottle have gotten a better deal? Or do you think that, that he got the best deal he was going to get no matter what? Because in, right now, unless Thompson, uh, Tate Thompson really becomes something, we're, we're, we, we, well, we don't forget about Johnson either. There's number one pick involved there too, who just was drafted last year. Oh yeah. It's, so you've got, you know, right. he, will he turn into something? Who knows? He's got right. his first year of college this year. So those are the two. And, and, the other – Sabotka and um, – came Bergman. So Berg, thank you. Berg. He's so irrelevant to me. I can't even think of his name. Uh, they, they had – Sabres had to take him. I mean, in order to get the number one pick and to get the prospect, they had to take the salary. And they, weren't, they weren't trying to get Berglund to be a, a number two center or anything else. They didn't want either one of them, but they had to take him. And uh, – now, as it turned out, they were trying to make Berglund into a number two center because they, they wanted Middlestat to be a number three. So not only did they totally – Berglund hadn't really been a good player for probably three years for the Blues. I mean, he had been declining. And I would have done exactly what the coaching staff did with him here. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have dressed him for game. He was awful. He was not good here at all. And then he's, like, pouting because, well, they should be playing me differently. No, they shouldn't. They tried playing you differently, and you were awful then too. I mean, the, you know, I, I, I didn't even know if he deserved to be on the fourth line. So, you know, those two are just – now you could say it's a bad trade. You should have just said no trade then. Well, I'll listen to that if, if a fan wants to say, well, if those two were forced on and they should have just said, no, we're not doing it. Uh, just like St. Louis did when Botro was insisting upon Thomas and the Blues said, then we're not doing it and went away. And then Botro realized that 
St. Louis wouldn't make the trade if if Thomas was involved. So they had to pick a, they had they had to go to a, to another prospect. So I mean, Botchford could have said no. That's yes, I I, I agree. They, he could have. Um, but you know, if Thompson, who knows? I mean, I, Craig Rave, if you listen to him on the Instigators, thinks Thompson can definitely become a 25, 30 goal scorer in this league. Put him on the should wing with Eichel. Should that happen? And this Johnson kid becomes a fairly decent player. You're still in a, in a boat where O'Reilly still won a cup and was the reason they won it. Yeah. But I, I will, I will, anybody that says that, I will say, you're right. You're absolutely right. And I'll also say, do you think he would do that? Would have done that in Buffalo? He never once showed us anything near the way he played in St. Louis and Buffalo. So what makes you think all of a sudden it was going to come in Buffalo? Right. Yeah. I, I, I know. I, I know I give more credit to the blues goalie because he got hot. Remember they were like last place in NHL come January. And we thought I was hoping he'd win enough that we get the 11th overall pick. And then, well, we see what happened, but I thought the goalie does not get enough credit. I think the goalie was the better, the reason why they won the cup because of the first two rounds of the playoffs, he, he was the dominant player on the blues and they don't get out of those rounds without that goalie, but that's my opinion. So, eh. but, um, okay. So what you're saying is, Bottle was not forced by the Pagulas to trade RR. ROR kind of forced the hand a tiny bit, but they were trying to trade him for a while. So good. We can put that to rest. He's no longer part of our organization and we move on. So you're talking to Vander Kane, that's a different story. Yeah. They did not want a Vander Kane here anymore. That's a shame. I kind of like the Vander they, Kane. They, they felt he embarrassed them. They felt he embarrassed the organization. And when he got himself arrested while the whole NHL was here for the draft, that was it. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, he had a thing about him. Show me the money on top of hotels. These these guys are so young; they're getting millions of dollars. You know, twenty years old. 20, I don't know. I think sometimes it goes to their head. But you know what? And there's some people who are mature enough to be able to handle it. So I never hold nothing against that when it comes to hockey players. I just think they're still human beings. They're going to make mistakes. They're just in the limelight, and that things happen, and that you know that's where it's tough. So, so you look at the Pagulas, and we know whenever they get behind one of these microphones optically they never look good they never sound good they always you know um now i never saw it so, but i heard that they sent a letter to everyone saying hey we have to release some of you so we can maintain our lifestyle if that's true i don't know i've never seen a letter no okay so um people are saying that that's why they, they have to build a super yacht I and mean, this is the stuff and i'm sure you see it out there it's the stuff that the pagulas get handed really badly and i mean man ralph wilson was treated like this in the 80s but more worse now because of social media but whenever they get behind him, like more her because he seems to do it more, they come across like, I feel like I got to defend him. Like, yeah, well, it's not really what she's saying. When she's saying that they had to cut staff, it's not because they're poor, but they want to get leaner. Kevin Adams was the next day after he was hired, said less people in the room is sometimes better. We want smarter, less people. Too many cooks can ruin a soup. Leaner does not mean cheaper all the time. So I was really pushing that. Trying to, I, don't, I shouldn't have to defend anybody, but I felt like I had to defend the Pagula saying leaner, could be so much better when you know you don't have seven color analysts in a booth you have one talking to the guy they're going back and forth you don't if you have five guys in a room talking on a tv telecast you're going to be crazy leaner sometimes better i could be wrong maybe it's just they're having money trouble i don't know not my business yeah, they're having a cash flow problem is is what it is i mean one of the bills that could be signed right now they have a contract done with him but there's bonus money so that contract is on hold right now. 
Uh, one of the so, Buffalo Bills. Okay, one of the Buffalo yeah, Bills. Uh, we said yeah. Bill signed. I'm thinking what the government's going to be. What? Oh, oh. For, the, for the Bills. So, <laughs> so it's, it's more of a cash flow problem. Yep. It's more of everything they have except the Buffalo Bills is losing money. 716, the Labatt Brewer, everything. You know, the, th- the thing their daughters run. They sold the Tim Hortons to a yeah, guy yeah. who owns a bunch of Tim Hortons here in Western New York. Healthy Scratch is what the daughters owned. Yeah, yeah. So really, really the Sabres, everything they have loses money in this, in this umbrella except for the Buffalo Bills. And right. so um, that's, that's their hemorrhaging money right now. And so that's, that's what it's about right now. It's not so they can build a super yacht, which, by the way, is not being built. It's 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 kind of sitting there half built and that's that they're not they're not taking money from the Sabres so they can build a yacht and have their lifestyle. And that's that comes from from employees who have lost their jobs. Yep. All they, well, I, I lost my job and it's because they, they want a lavish lifestyle so they can't pay me type of thing. That's where that comes from. So the whole email went out to everyone by Kim Bagula that said something like, uh, to maintain our lifestyle. Like they're putting that in quotes like she actually said that. No, never, okay. never happened. Yep. And you know what I tell people when they say stuff like, oh, well, they got billions. So what? They're smart business people. I mean, if I own a business, no matter how much you make, you, st- you can't say they're dumb. He's got billions. He started with the two nickels. He started with $5,000 from a friend and he built an empire. And, you know, you got to be smart. You just don't say, well, I got billions so I can just throw it away. I mean, Yo, they're, everyone's doing it. Everyone's cutting back. And businesses across everywhere. I mean, you know, you happen to you. Um, the athletic, I mean, it's just a business decision. And people are mad at them. Well, they shouldn't do that because they got billions. Good. Let me tell you what to do with your money. I, that probably- well, they're, they're looking at two when the hockey season comes back. Let's say there is a hockey season that starts December 1st. Well, unemployment is, what is it, around 13 14% right now? Yeah, it's right out there. It's yeah. not going to be that much better in December. So where's the money that people are going to be spending at hockey games? I think they're going to be – I think they understand that even if they can have fans in the stands, they're not going to have as many as you might think. They may be games where they have seven, 8,000 people in that building. Number one, because of the product. People are tired of it. Combined with – our, look at our finances right now. I mean, there are people that are losing their homes right now who don't know where they're going to be going because, you know, they're, they're defaulting on their mortgages or they can't pay their rent. Uh, and again, by, by December, that's not going to be all that much more improved. Don't go by the stock market. The stock market isn't, isn't what the economy is about. The economy and the stock market are two different things. The stock market's run by the rich billion dollar companies like Apple and Adobe and Amazon and those types of companies who can, no matter how long this pandemic goes, they'll be fine. They're going to make money. So the economy is, you don't get a sense of the economy from the stock market. Um, So I think they see that too, that what's, what's this going to look like coming out the other side, at least for a year or two. Now, if you put a good product on the ice and we're a year or two out of this, where now the economy might be starting to come back a little bit and some people are working that weren't working and you can get unemployment down, then maybe people are going to come back to the games. But with the product you've been putting on the ice for the last nine years, combined with the economy, 
I, I think you'd, you'd see most nights they'd be lucky to have 10,000 people in that building. Yeah, I mean, it'll take like a significant wrist and trade. And, uh, of course, there's those rumors, too, that uh, Bowdo had a deal done for Eller, Nikolai Ellers from Winnipeg, and Bowdo walked away from it. And I, I just don't believe he would have walked away. I don't believe in those rumors, but people do believe. Some people with the inside information. Well, you know me. You know me. I don't care I know. about the trade rumors. I know. And that's why. You're, yep. you're explain, you yep. explained it better than I ever could. That's why yeah. I don't. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, some people say they have inside information and that, but, you know, they say, okay, well, if you, if you believe, if that's what you then that's good. That's good for you. I mean, if you're going to put it out there like that. Um, and rumors are fun, but they're only rumors until they really happen. And very few rumors ever came true, and I can't even think of any. But it's, it, but it's fun. Eric Roy's trade, I believe, was correct. I think that had come out. But when Darcy was gears, where gear was around here, nothing ever got out of that organization. And the rumors were never, ever, ever right. And that was that might have been the first one that had gotten out that was actually correct. I forgot who he was traded for. I, I am too. I forgot too. But mm -hmm. I, I remember it, it, whatever it was, it, it was correct. It had, I had seen, it had come out in a rumor. I know uh, Roy for Spezza was a rumor forever. Um, and I just – you know, you hear that one forever. So, so getting back to Pagula. So, you know, they, again, they get behind the microphone. They don't, they're just not, and I know Terry doesn't like him out there. He tries not to, and you know, um, he's not good at it. He's not comfortable no. at it. I mean, not and, everybody is, not yeah. everybody is. I mean, look at me, I do this and I don't know. How he doesn't, I, he doesn't know what to say. And, yep. and as, as you yep. said, it doesn't come off well. Yep. That's why Kevin Adams, uh, did the season ending press conference, I believe. And people are like, why is, why is he doing this? Or, you know, like that. So I, I or Bottrell did. Bottrell was still the GM. No. Yeah. Who did? What did Kevin, Kevin Adams did when he was hired? Yeah. No, but no, it's no. Been, it's been a long time since the Pagula has been involved in the end of the season. I don't even know if they ever have been. Right. No, I remember no. Ted Black was because people wanted to talk to the Pagulas and Ted Black. They were Mike Harrington was ripping into Ted Black right at the podium. Yeah. And, and so the, the, the Pagulas never have done that. It's always been the GM and the coach. Right. No, Kevin Adams came out and did did an interview or something, a real big interview. And he was answering all the questions, and people were like, "Why is he? Why is he, why is he talking?" Well, he well, he was he was in charge of business then, right? So I think I think I want to say vice president or president. I don't remember which title he had, but he yeah. was one of the two, right? And I know your answer to this, so I'll ask you why not. Um, or answer would be because the GM should be the smartest person in the room. But do you think there should be some kind of president of hockey operations or some kind of go between or um, uh, just? Just, uh, just because I know only 13 teams actually have a president of hockey operations or something like that, and only half of them actually do hockey. Should it just be Kevin Adams get a couple surround himself with some good people, or do you? you know, I know you don't like the president of hockey operations. So, um, what, what's your thoughts on all that? No, not at all. And it's it's too many bosses. Why do you need so many bosses? Why do you need a president of hockey operations and a GM both trying to run the organization? You know, the, the, the hockey side of the organization. You're, the smartest guy in the room should be your general manager. That is your president of hockey operations right there. And then he should have – I like the way Bottrell structured it. He was the GM. He brought in a guy uh, that had been a GM before and then made Sexton who made, made him the GM of the Rochester team and his assistant. He brought in a, a, a bright, young GM candidate in Greeley. And the three of them are the ones that did it. So I, I like the way he had it set up. He had a guy around him who had done the job before. I don't know if you want to say successfully, but we could debate that. Right. And um, so that's, 
I just don't see why the GM has to answer to another hockey guy, just another guy. Uh, you, you should have a staff yourself that you can bounce things off of. And you, I don't see the need for that middle management. It's, it's too many bosses and too many cooks in the kitchen and the Pagulas, And I would do it the same way. I would feel the same way. They want to deal with the guy in charge. They want to deal with the GM. They don't want to talk to the hockey operations guy who now has to take their message to the GM. They want to talk directly to the GM and I don't blame them. That's the way I would do it too. And that's how the bills do it. So, and, and then you look at Kruger who you know, I tell people, I think Kruger is going to be kind of, I always felt Lindy Ruff and Dyer Seager were like in a tandem, like Ruff they just were. didn't coach the team. And, you know, I, I know what Botterill it was. And I think I asked you that before a while ago because everyone said Botterill, he's going to be GM. You're the coach. I will put the, I'll give you the 23 guys. You decide who, da, da, da. where the other two worked in tandem. And I want to know if Adams is, and Kruger are going to work in tandem. And what's the real long, long-term goal? I can't be seeing Kruger being coached more than two years here before it's, he moves it up. Sound, it sounds like they're going to be in tandem. Um, Bottrell, exactly right. I remember asking Phil Housley, oh, you must have been busy yesterday on trade deadline day. He goes, no, I was just sitting at home. He wasn't even in the room. He wasn't even in the building. Yeah. Uh, Bottrell felt, you're the coach. I'll take care of this. This is trade deadline today. This isn't your day. You run practice, and you can go home, and we'll let you know if we do something type of thing. Whereas Lindy Ruff was there in the same room with Darcy Regeer and Darcy Regeer would say, okay, we got a trade here for Danny Breer. What do you think? Is that somebody you think you can, you can use or whatever. And then Lindy <laughs> would give his opinion, you know, or, and then they would talk about it. Now Lindy wouldn't have the final say, but Darcy wanted to hear what Lindy had to say about it. And I'm sure could have opinions, you know, his opinion could be shaped by what Lindy might say. And I think that is the way to do it. You know, the GM has to have the final say, but I think his coach should be there and they should be talking about it. And Bottrell really didn't want any of that. Yeah. And overall, I know a lot of near the end, it got people, even I got a little tired of a gear, but overall I thought he was pretty successful here. I mean, we got the cup run and yeah, I know a lot of those players were here when he took over the team, but he had to make the certain deals to get to the, get to the cup. Um, and then after the uh, the lockout year, you know, he, they knew exactly from everything I read, him and Lindy were ready. They knew what was going to come. And it's too bad the NHL went back after two years. But they were ready. And we were like, well, where'd this come from? All of a sudden, we, you know, we started off a little slow. And all of a sudden, we were on fire. And we, you know, we just missed winning that division by three points. And um, if I'm right, I'm going by memory here. And I thought they built a great team there. And then, of course, they lose Breer, Breer and Drury. And I hear different stories about who, what. I hear Breer wanted to, you know, just let, I don't want to go that lane. But I thought they were really successful and had to do because they worked in tandem. So if this sounds like a good thing for Kruger. I mean, hopefully then Adams sounds like a smart enough guy. That he would listen to the advice. He's not going to say, oh, you're only the coach. I mean, my opinion. I think he'd be a guy that would listen. But do you, how long do you think Kruger will be coaching before you, do you think they'll move him up? Or do you think he's his coach as long as he's coach? And if he's not going to be coached, we'll move be. him up to where? I don't know. I, I mean, you know, he, he's had bigger roles, like over when he was over uh, overseas. You'd have to create a job guy. for him. And they, they, they don't want that hockey operations thing. I know they don't want that. So move him where? To do what? Uh, there's, I, I, he's not going to be the owner. No, nope. I mean, there's a GM and there's the owner. I, so I don't know where they're going to move him to. If, uh, Does he like coaching? I mean, is he really yeah. happy just being a coach? I want to yeah, say he, he, likes, he likes coaching. And, okay. you know, I thought that was Darcy's be and, and Lindy's best work when they came out of the lockout, as you said. Um, but to say 
Darcy was a good GM or successful GM. Yeah, they did get to the Stanley Cup Finals, and their drafting was horrendous. You look at the drafts of Darcy Regeer. They were absolutely horrendous. And, you, you know, you got to get some surprises now and then. And he got very few of them. And they, they just – it hurt the organization for years. And, I mean, it, this organization has not drafted well. That's why it's been where it is the last nine years. And, um, you know, I, I think – I don't think Darcy did make the trades when he had to. Darcy was the type that you make your trades, you make your team in the summer, and that's that. Now you sit on your hands and you watch and you watch until the trade deadline. Yeah. But you, you, Darcy did not believe in making trades during the season until the trade deadline. No matter how bad the team got, he made very, very few trades. You know, Bar, Barnes for Barnaby comes to, to or Barnaby for Barnes comes to mind. Yeah, but there have been too many that he made. He would sit on his hands for too long. He was too passive for me. I want a more aggressive. Now, Murray is a more aggressive GM, but where did it get him? It didn't get them anywhere anyway. But uh, I, I think I, I would not classify Darcy as a successful GM. All right. I'm basing it just on, the, on ice, but, I mean, he did get – we were 17 injuries away from winning a cup. I mean, now I'll go back to that and say Connolly was the biggest injury. If he doesn't get hurt – There was. There I, were I one injury from winning a cup. <laughs> That's what I tell people, and I will get a lot of – Hit, I said, no, you take that injury out. I don't care all the defensemen. I mean, I care, but you, you put Conley in that thing. He probably was, uh, I don't want to say heart trophy. The, uh, Their goals four went trophy. down by a full goal when he was out of the lineup. Yep. So you, you are, you're losing seven games to Carolina. Can Conley turn one of those four losses around? You know, I, I would say yes, he could have. Oh, yeah, any one of them, especially even the last one. But He just had to turn one of them around. That's yep. it. Yep. And I, and I will go to my grave saying my opinion is Conley was probably the biggest injury in Sabres history. But, um, and again, I'm all, I've been watching since 79, so I'm sure there's some a long time ago. I think Crozier, the year we went to the finals or something, people tell me in 75 that our goaltending tandem got hurt. But, you know, that's way before my time. Well, he was – he was uh, Roger Crozier basically was the second-best goalie to ever wear a Sabre uniform behind Dominic Hachik. But you're right, he was sick. He couldn't play that whole series. Desjardins, who was not very good, had to play some of it. And that did hurt the Sabres, definitely. Yeah, I think Bromley was the other goalie. Only because – It was Desjardins. Okay, if you look back here, I have a record here. Sounds of the Sabres. And it's actually – the record is still in there for 74, 75, but I don't have a record player, so I can't play it. But um, I listened to that when I was a kid over it. I, I, the whole 74, 75 season, and it was just great. That's how I really got in hockey because my mom bought that record. I just listened to it all the time. And then I started watching in 79. I remember my first series I ever watched was uh, – I want to say Buffalo versus Chicago in 79, and they went to Islanders and lost to the Islanders. Um, and now there's obviously, you know, went to win the cup. Um, I, finally, I finally took the plunge. I still had my turntable from high school, which I didn't work. <laughs> and finally, about four, three or four years ago, I went out and got a Bluetooth turntable. It wasn't as expensive as you might think. Because I have all this vinyl here that I had listened to for years and years. And I go, you know what? It would be kind of fun to listen to this vinyl again. So – I got a Bluetooth turntable, and now I can listen to my vinyl. Yeah, this is so warped, though. It literally, if I showed you, it, it would work no matter what. So I'm gonna see if I can find it out there digitally somewhere. Because I don't know if you ever listened to it. It's called Sounds of the Sabers, but it's just amazing to listen to all the play-by-play and between Ted Darling, who I I, I think he's the best play-by-play man in Sabers history. RJ, you're great, but I mean, and RJ will tell you the same thing. I just Ted Darling was my first, right? 
because I never listen on the radio too much. Well, RJ says, says all the time that Ted Darling is the voice of the Sabres, not yep. him. Yep. And, um, you know, and RJ's a great guy, you know. Um, I was going to say something else when we were talking about um, all, you know, oh, I think Connolly, if his injury, if he wasn't injured, he could have been one of the better Sabres ever. Um, but his, he was just so injury prone, you know, and, um, and you're also getting an argument on the second greatest goalie here. People are going to say Miller, but that's because it's more new. And I would say Miller because I didn't see Crozier. Miller's fourth. Miller's what? Fourth. Okay, fourth. Hold on, man. Now, so you're saying Hasek, Crozier, somebody, and Miller. Okay. Okay. Oh, Edwards or Sobe. It's got to be one of them. It's either one. What? They'd be next. They'd be next after Miller, probably Edwards and then Sobe. Hold on. Hold on. You're, oh, boy, you're testing me here. Is it before? Is it in the 70s? Let me know when. No, let me oh. know when you want a hint. All right. If, all right. So seventies. Well, it ain't Phil Mir. Um, in the eighties. Um, oh, Bob Sovey, Don Edwards. Um, he's won one of the major NHL trophies as a Saber. Oh, Barrasso, duh. Yeah. Right, Barrasso, duh. I'm yep. not even. I'm. I'm trying to think like you're going back. Oh yeah, Barrasso. Oh yeah. Um, because you want to, of course, see what the Pittsburgh won cups, but uh, yeah, Barrasso. That was, you know, see now, Scotty Bowman knew how to draft. Um, so. All right. Well, yeah. So we talked a lot here. I, I, I you know, I, I think the Sabres will be fine eventually. I'm hoping, I'm praying Kevin Adams can, you know, do some good stuff here. Hopefully, uh, like you said, him and Kruger can work in some tandem here. Um, I've always said this and I believe it. You got to give him a chance. Yep. You know, you might have your doubts. I understand that. I, I can listen to that conversation and people that have their doubts, I respect it. But you got to give him a chance, you know, to see, see what he can do. And, you know, you never know what he can do. It might, it might go very well. It might go very poorly. But you still – that's the one thing, you know, I, about Robin Leonard. Would I have traded the number one pick for Robin Leonard? Absolutely not. I, I probably would not trade a number one pick for any goaltender. I don't believe in it. Nor do I believe in drafting a goaltender in the first round. Which, by the way, had they not traded for Robin Leonard, they would not have picked White. Who no, they would have picked with the been pick. a rushing goalie. It was the Russian goalie who got hurt. Yes. That's yeah. who they were picking if they okay. would have made the pick, which again, I would have criticized because I don't believe in picking goaltenders, number one, either. But the thing that bothered me, not that Robin Leonard was any great shakes, but he was a lot better than people gave him credit for. You look at his save percentage, but people were all crucified him before he ever even put on a jersey for training camp. Yep. And that's just not fair. That's not fair to Robin Leonard. Robin Leonard did not trade himself for a number one pick. Nope. And there were, there were a group of fans, quite a few, I won't say all fans, but quite a few who would not even give him a chance. Nope. So every single mistake he made, they were on him, and it made it miserable. I mean, he said he liked it in Buffalo, and I'm not going to say he's a liar. Right. But it also got to him that people were all over him for no reason, for yep. other than the fact that he got traded for a number one pick. Yeah. And as it turns out, because Tim Murray, when he made the trade, said, I've seen this kid since he's been 19 years old. And I'm here to tell you, he goes, there are a lot of things I can't do. But one thing I can do is judge talent. And this kid is a good goaltender, and he's a good, talented goaltender. Well, Robin Leonard, ever since he's been able to straighten his life out, uh, you know, and I give him all the credit in the world for, you know, admitting the problems that he had and, and – you know, that's not an easy thing to do. And then to be able to go out and correct them and to become a really, really good goaltender, become the goaltender that Tim Murray was saying that he should be all along. And, uh, you know, so it just goes to show Murray in, in the case of Robin Leonard knew what he was talking about as far as 
how good he could be. Yeah. You know, his first year here, of course, he gets hurt like 10 minutes into the game or something. I was actually at that game. Uh, we were playing Ottawa. Um, and he got hurt very early in the game, I don't know, like 19 minutes. And I think it was the first period or second period. I remember that. Yeah. And, um, I, of course, I did not realize that the offside replay went into effect. I learned that night. And I'm like, wait, what's it doing? What? Now I had to go on and look at my phone. I go, oh, they had a new replay for offside? That's stupid. But um, so, and then, but during the season, he gained a lot of, he got, I think, a hockey part or something. He did something with his eyes. All of us, he gained a lot of fans before that season was over, though. And after he left here, and then he came to light about his problems. And I don't know if those problems started because he was in Buffalo and we drove him to drink or something. They'll say, I, I don't know how long no, he's had those issues. No. But, he had issues in Ottawa. Yeah. But the fans here, this is how Buffalo is. We, 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 we like said, hey, oh, man, okay, I hope you're okay. And fans totally supported him coming out and, like, we're giving him well wishes. It was really, you know, we, sometimes we hate players more when they're with us. And we don't give, like you said, the chance. You know, I, you know and I don't know why Leonard can't stick with the team now. I, I only gave up on him quickly. Chicago, I don't even know where he is now. Calgary? I think. Uh, Vegas. Vegas. Oh, oh, I think I think he makes people makes GMs nervous that they're afraid there could be a relapse. Uh, and that there's a relapse, and you've and you've invested a long-term five-year deal of guaranteed money. You know that. So I think that's why he can't get anything more than a one-year contract. Well, and he calls right getting right contracts. Like if this happens or that, well, hey, at least he's getting gigs every year, and maybe he'll just you know he'll be the next. Uh, uh, Walt McKechnie, I think, was the most guy in the most teams, uh, right? Walt McKechnie in the seventies, eighties, he played like on five. He played like on eighteen. Sorry about that, my dog. Come to the door. Um, Walt McKechnie, right? Did he have like nineteen teams he played on or something? Played in a lot, but I don't know if he, yeah. he has the most. Yeah, I can't, you know, this is, oh, man, I think hockey's in the 80s, man. Nothing's better, man. I miss those days. I don't know about you, but hockey days not as good as it was in the 80s, but that's my opinion. So, you know, but so I, um, and I'll let you go on this note, if you don't mind, one more question is, I um, I, held it. I didn't hold you to it, but, boy, you had me excited when you said Breer, my, when you said if they let go of Bottero, you, you, your guess, and you totally said it was a prediction that it would be Breer. And I was starting to ride in there for a while. And so I was telling people, hey, it might be rare because I, I kept thinking, oh, maybe you know something. But, um, you know. No, I, know. I, I just kind of know the Pagulas, how in love they are with former Sabres. And, you know, they hired LaFontaine with no credentials. And they found out that was a big mistake. And, um, you know, so. And Briere has been kind of a GM in training. He runs their, their uh, team up in Maine. Yep. Interestingly enough, it's a Ranger affiliate, but the Flyers yeah. sent Breyer up there because they send players to that team. Yeah, I, I, I was an actual Ranger affiliate, so he talks to Drury quite often. Now, people thought, why didn't they hire Drury? Drury wanted nothing to do with coming here or being a GM here. He's, he's happy with being groomed in New yeah. York with, with what he's doing. So it wasn't a situation where – he even wanted to come here to be a GM, but I just kind of thought, you know, Briere has been doing that for a couple of years. Now it might be the next natural progression, but I also knew in the back of my mind and I'd said it for not this year, but I've said it since probably the last five years is as Kevin Adams was going up in the organization, I knew they were grooming him for bigger and better things. I probably should have said it at the same time that, uh, you know, Adams is being groomed. But it wouldn't have shocked me at all if they would have gone towards Briere. Yeah, you would have started a firestorm if you said the Gooby Adams because then all the talk of uh, they wanted yes and they would have came out much sooner. You know, I had my theories on Drury and Briere. Um, and Briere, because of what he said in the media one time was when they came back in the playoffs, 
uh, versus Buffalo when he was a Philly and they talked about him being traded. He said, and that was after we, uh, Pagula's bought the team. He said, well, the people who didn't want me are no longer here. And I personally always believe that Drury never really wanted to be here and he was going to go to the Rangers no matter what. And no, I don't, that's not true. He did. He, they, when they went to talk contract with him in October yep. and they usually don't do that. That was against their rules, so to right. speak. Drury was ready to sign the contract and the Sabres show up, they talk to him and they say, we'll get back to you. We got to take this back to Tom. And that's the mistake. You got to be ready. You got to understand who Chris Drury is and how he thinks. And then all of a sudden Chris Drury, two, two three days goes by and they, he hasn't even heard from them. And he told his agent, he goes, well, I thought we had a deal. Screw it. Tell him, tell him we'll do it after the year. No, we're not, this is over with for right now. And then the Sabres like, well, wait a minute, you know, type of thing. And it's like, if you're going to deal with Chris Drury, you got to be ready right then and there. Yep. You got to already have Tom Golisano's approval. Yep. So if, yep. if he says, this is what we're going to do and we, you agree to it, you don't have to go running back to Buffalo and have him get upset with you and, and, and then have it all fall through because you weren't ready to sign the contract. So then the end of the year comes and he's not, he's like, well, I don't know, maybe I'll go see what's in free agency. But he did tell the Sabres, he told Larry Quinn that, but I will, any offer I get from any team, I will bring back to you. Indeed. So Larry Quinn expected that and thought, well, if, we, if he comes back with an offer, we'll have to go with it because that's, they had made their choice. Now, to bring them both in would have only cost the Sabres $10.2 million in salary, and you could have had them both for five years. And, uh, you know, for the two of them. But he got mad at Briere when Briere went on Howard Simon's show and said, I was never offered anything more than a three-year deal, which was his agent said they were. But he comes on and says they weren't. Larry Quinn was furious, you know, that, that you know, Danny in public tried to make them look bad when, when that wasn't even true. So it was like, well, that's yeah, was, the end of that. It was five for 25, right? That's that what he was, wanted. Right. I thought that's you know, what he offered him. And he did the, offer that eventually, but too late. So, yeah, at the end, after, you know, the jury wasn't there. So, so jury promised he would come back with any offer, and he didn't. He signed with the Rangers, and that was the end of it. So the Sabres and Drury, in my mind, made mistakes in that. The Sabres made the early mistake of not being ready. Yep. And Drury, plain and simply, lied to him and told him he would bring back any offer. He did not do that, and uh, the Sabres were left holding the bag. Yeah, in hindsight, of course, his career only lasted like another year or two, and Breer would have been a better player to keep. Even back then, I liked Breer a lot more. But then – you don't know if Drury gets hurt in Buffalo. True. He got hurt right. in New York, but you know, everything, everything changes. You know, right. Those scenarios not, change. Right. Who knows if he there. gets injured or not. Absolutely. You're not there on that particular part of the ice at the time you got hurt. Just, you know. um, and, of course, you know, if we did sign Drury early and say we found a way to keep Breer too – Obviously, we take those four picks and Vanek's not here. And we would never have taken all the same players that Edmonton took over the four years because obviously Edmonton might be a little bit better or we picked someone different. But Maybe they would have. <laughs> yeah. The Sabres didn't draft real well either. So Yeah, you're right. But I wonder if uh, – do you think – hindsight – at that day when you heard that Buff, that Vanek was offered the four picks, that day were you thinking, no, Buffalo's got to sign him because he has lost players? Or it's like, you know what? Yeah, they knew they had to. They knew they couldn't let him go too. 
Yeah. They couldn't lose Dreher, Breer, and Drury. They didn't want to. They, they thought it was a horrible contract. It was hugely too high, and it was. Yeah. But they felt they, they couldn't get away with not, not signing, re-signing him. They had to. Yeah. And I felt he – I want to say, I don't know, using the term, boy, he lived up to the contract. Sabres had to give him the contract. I thought he was a good player here. I never had a problem with Van Eckley. He was. He was. Yeah, he was a good player. But I would rather have Breer and Drury. I mean, yeah. you look at it this way. Would you trade Vanek for four first-round picks, Breer and Drury, which is basically what you would have done? If we could have had both Breer and Drury, yeah. Or you would have Breer and Drury. You would have been trading Vanek for Breer, Drury, and four first-round picks. Would you make that trade? Uh, twice on Sunday. <laughs> you know, it's as simple as that. I mean – yeah, I mean, I'm a big Bannock fan. I mean, that's I don't get players' names on the back of jerseys ever. Uh, Bannock was the first one, and it's like my mother-in-law bought it for me. But I do have an Eichel one because they don't make them without them anymore. But I do have an Eichel 15, but that's okay. I'll stick with 15. I'm not going to have a change. Um, so, no, yeah, this was a great conversation, a lot of insight. And I know I'm going to get a lot of feedback saying, well, that's a Paul's opinion. He's not – you know what? You are close to the situation. I – I listen every time you're on the radio and I watch another on TV. I, you know, you know, I respect the heck out of you. You've been doing this for a long time and you make it very clear when it's your opinion, you know, and, um, you know, and I'll go by saying, I hate Larry Quinn. I don't hate anybody in the world, but I always hate Larry Quinn because I always blamed him for what happened back. Um, in the past. Larry's, Larry's a good guy. Yeah. I'm actually, actually Larry, uh, I was, I was very touched, you know, when what happened to me, Larry was one of the people that called me. Yeah. So, so did Jason Bottrell who actually had already been fired. Yep. But yet had the class and the, and we I had some very nice conversations with them and uh, was very, very flattered to talk to them. Yeah. You know, I think it's just as fans, we never get to really meet the, I met Ted Black. Uh, I uh, got to go in the locker room one time before a game it was versus Red Wings. He took me in there and I got like these little things. I still got him. And he was such a great guy. And, um, and I, I went to a game a few weeks later versus uh, – oh, no, that, yeah, the night versus the Red Wings. I went to that – no, Washington. Well, no matter. I went to a game we saw Sabretooth. And Sabretooth, my son, it was his first game ever, and he had to be seven before I take him to the first game. My wife, my wife calls it the rite of passage. Seven years old, I take him to their first game, and we couldn't get Sabretooth to come close. And so I sent an email to uh, WGR and Howard Simon, you know, on, to them, you know, on the website, WGR to the person. I just told him, Hey, you have Ted Black. I think it was Wednesday, or whatever. He's always on the radio. I said, "Can you just mention this happening?" If I'm going to the game versus Toronto next week, and can you let him know that me and my son, I'm taking him back there, and if he just somehow get, um, no, I'm sorry. The very first game I took him to was versus the Amherst. For some reason, the Amherst were playing here, um, and so then we played Toronto the following. And I took him. I should never take him to the Toronto game. I don't know what I was thinking. So I took him to the Toronto game, and um, I told Ted Black, hey, "I'm going. If you just have a chance, this is where I'm sitting. Can you send him?" Not only does he come. He gives him an autographed puck with the have over here with Ryan Miller's autographed puck. They were yelling, my son's name is Noah. Like, is there Noah? And I'm like, Noah, they're calling you. He's a seven-year-old kid. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I pictures of them. And I called Ted Black two days later. That was a Monday. On Wednesday, Ted Black was on the radio, so I got through. And I, I, I just – I was in the tears in my car and the way we were saying, I just want to thank you so much for what you did for my son. And, you know, the game, that – he will always remember that he'll have that puck. And just the things, Ted Black was such a great guy. And to meet him, that and he's just such a great guy. And I really wish he would have stayed. Um, but, you know, and he left, but it didn't happen. But, you know. Nice so, person, just not very good at his job. That's all. No. And I always took him. He was just a marketing guy. But, you know. But that, and that's why I got to look at it. I met Kim Bagula one time at the gallery mall. I said, hey, how you doing? Took a picture. That was it. I can't sit here and say they are clueless owners, that they are this or that. I don't know them. 
But when you tell me someone's clueless and they made $5 billion out of $5,000, no. They, they're just doing the best they can. And their, their goal is to hire the right people. And if they don't work out, go to the next one. That's their weakness is hiring. They yeah. lucked yeah. out with uh, McDermott. McDermott helped bring Bean in. And they finally got it right there. I mean, they had Rex Ryan, the biggest con man in the National Football League, maybe the biggest con man in sports, you know, that they hired. So they were having trouble on both sides of it, but they've got the bills straightened out. And they're hoping that, uh, you know, now that they can find strike gold uh, with the Sabres and hire the right people there. But, you know, if, if I say there's a weakness of the Pagula, it's in hiring. They have people – that are still working for them, that have no business in the jobs that they're in, that they listen to and they shouldn't be listening to, and I think have embarrassed them. But, you know, that's, that's if there's a weakness of them, I think that's their weakness. It's in hiring. You didn't say any names, so I give you a lot of credit for that because you usually could, right? Um, yeah, I, I thought I thought Byron was the right hire. I mean, I wanted him when they hired Murray, and I was very sad. But then they hired him, and we hear from the owner of Pittsburgh or one of the GMs saying, he was the architect of that team. Now, was he? Maybe they're just saying that to be nice. But I was so high on Paro. I can't believe he screwed up the cap and everything when he was supposed to be a cap genius. And I'm not a cap genius, so I don't know if he really screwed up I was not. too. No, I was too. I, I, I thought it was the right hire at the time. I'm not yep. going to lie. Nope. And I think a lot of fans did. Now they said that. But can you really blame the Pagulas? I mean, they're talking to people going, hey, who do you think? And they all kind of working in conjunction with saying, hey. Well, why they didn't want to do it that way this time because they've been nope. burned by it. So it's like everybody told us who the best candidate is, it was, and it wasn't, it wasn't at all. So we're going to do it a different way now. Well, for them, I really appreciate that they, you know, they got the team here. I'm not saying they saved the team because obviously that was Galasano. Galasano waited. Right, Galasano and Quinn waited until they found another owner, and that's good. Now, never again. To me, their owner is looking to do. Why well, you shouldn't thing. hate Larry Quinn because in the end, he was the I one know. that helped save the Sabers here. I know. I just always blamed him for. Well, just he meddled in. Yeah, he was in the middle of things. There's no question. Yeah. So yeah, I just, I'm not going to say he wasn't. Yeah. But he also, you know, by bringing Galasano in here, helped keep the team in Buffalo. Yeah. Well, I remember when I was young, we hired Scotty Bowman. I was just getting hockey and my mom was so mad. She did not like him from Montreal. <laughs> That's all I heard about was, oh, Scotty Bowman. Said, and then, you know, but all right. Do you have anything you want to add to this before we uh, hang no, up? No, nope, I think we've covered everything. All right, man. Yeah, I really appreciate you coming on and I'd love to have you on again sometime. And uh, we'll get uh, your buddy over there from Channel 2 and you guys maybe come on together and we'll talk some more hockey, man. And really good luck with uh, everything you're doing now. And uh, I'm really happy that, you know, you went two hours jobless and um, <laughs> that, that's all it was. And, you know, and I just, you do a great job. And, and again, the position you're in, you're going to get flack from the fans out there. And uh, you're like me. I don't believe in vulgarity. And when people do that, I hate that. Why people feel that the problem, where they got why certain words, they got, I, I'm like that. Maybe it's my Christian. I don't know, but I appreciate everything you do out there and, you know, and just good luck with everything. I just, I just don't like it on my Twitter feed. If we're standing yeah. out in the street together, fine. I don't care. Right. You know, I'm not going to say I never swear or anything, but I don't swear on Twitter. I, I just don't want it on my Twitter feed. I mean, there are people who are – there were youngsters that read the Twitter feed yep. and stuff, and I just don't want them to go on my Twitter feed and see that. That doesn't mean, as I said, if we're just standing in the street having a conversation, that there isn't going to be swearing. But yep. um, it's just I don't want it on my Twitter feed. That's all. Yep. It's funny. People come to me and say, Ron, you, you talk to Paul. Can you just tell him, I don't know why I said, but can you unblock? And you do that a couple of times. You went, I guess, unblock people. And things, and things happen. Like, people admit what they did. Yeah. And they say, yeah, I swore I should never, whatever. Then I unblock them. It's yep. the ones that, well, you, you blocked me for no reason. 
Well, yeah, I don't no. block anybody for no nope. reason. Nope. You know, nope. if, if you're extremely rude, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll block you or I'll more likely mute you then. I just don't want to see it. But if, if, if to me, the language thing is not a negotiable thing. And if you want to argue it, you're gone. Yep. Or if you want to be disrespectful, does swearing mean that much to you that, that you're going to, that's the hill you're going to die on. It's going to be about swearing. Yep. It's and like, what are, we, what are we, 11 years old? Yep. I mean, come on. And, uh, you know, and plus that Twitter is your job in a sense. You're talking your job about hockey and you're putting, you're writing that, you're doing it. It's your job. I mean, you don't, you know, and people go see that and they're going to like, oh, every time I go out here, people are arguing with them and there's all this going on. I don't want to read it. And, you know, and it's funny is, um, you know, and it, it is, you're right. People just get all really annoyed and it's like, and of course they, they love talking to you and if they make a mistake, you block them. All of a sudden you're the worst person in the world. And I've been dealing that for years because, I, I run a Facebook called Buffalo Blue and Gold on Facebook since 2011. And my one number one role is there's no swearing. You can argue gently, but you can't, no reason to swear or I'll delete them. And then three deletes are gone. And people call, well, you have to have a Christian Facebook. I said, oh, well, I'll take that as an honor then. Yeah, you're right. People got to have a little, have a conversation. Well, you may have noticed too, is I, I don't engage people as much as I used to. I, as Greg Bauck said to me once, he goes, <laughs> he goes look it. He said, he goes, you're the type of person that doesn't understand that you're quote famous. He goes, you don't get it. He goes, cause you don't look at yourself that way. He said, but people, all they're trying to do is bait you. And he goes, they want you to answer them. It doesn't matter what you say. He goes, you could call them the worst thing ever and they don't care. It's you've answered them and that's all they want. They want you to engage with them. Yep. He goes, if you want to upset them, he goes, don't say a word to them. He goes, do you realize they're sitting on their Twitter feed refreshing it every five minutes looking for your <laughs> response he goes they'll sit there for hours refreshing their twitter feed waiting for you to respond he goes that makes them matter than anything else you could have ever said to them if you just yep. ignore them and and i try to do more of that now every now and then i'll engage somebody but it's yep. not that often and yeah i don't know if you've noticed i do a lot less of it now yeah well, I don't bug you too much. But when I reach out for a question, something you've always been very kind to answer me. And, oh, I don't mind um, questions. Oh, I know. Yep. It, it, it's when people are trying to bait me that right. you know I, I I don't bite on that garbage anymore. I just just either mute them if if it's just something that bothers me that I don't want to read it. Yeah. Instead of getting in an argument where I might wind up blocking him because they tell me to you know go do things to my body that are impossible yeah. to do um <laughs> you, you know it's 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 easier just to mute them right from the start and then i never see what they say uh you know there are some of those things are possible if you go out to the Erie county fair next year you'd be surprised when you pay a buck to go behind those walls <laughs> you know, things going on out there but uh yeah yeah i think i think that's where you know people like to argue a lot and i like i get heated ones i really try not to you know, but and people call me the Paul Hamilton bootlicker because I will have good conversations with you. And you know, when you go back a few years, I've never always agreed with you. I give you my opinion, but if I'm not sure of something, I'll ask you and you'll give me your opinion. I, mean, I always have to agree with you, but what? We can have a good conversation. Well, like if we, we all now. agree, it would be a pretty boring life. Yeah, right. It's like, you know, um, you know, so I mean, we can have a good conversation without arguing, but people want to people wanna argue all the time because they all want to say or they want to Ron's bad takes. Well, you're reading them and I'm nobody. So. That's right, what Paul. Dickerson used to say. He used to say, I couldn't care less if people hated me, love me. He goes, as long as they turn the radio on. He That's goes, right. they can all hate me. And a lot of guys did. But they <laughs> clung on every word and they knew exactly what he said and they always tuned in. That's right. And that's just it, you know. But uh, you're too nice of a guy, though, man. So I don't know. Like, you're doing it right. You're doing it right, man. So I really appreciate Thank it. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Everybody, this is Ro Ranting Ron with uh, Paul Hamilton, formerly of WGR, now with uh, Channel 2. 
You can catch them on 11.30 Saturday nights, right? Actually, it's, it's when they need me. I just commentate on hockey okay. when they need me. It's not full-time. It's not part-time. I'm a contributor. Right. So, uh, like, the first day of hockey season, I'm going to be on. Uh, Ashley's going to be on for her first time, and that's the first day of hockey season. So, I'll be just giving my commentary what I've seen so far. It's 6, 10, and 11. All right. Well, there you go, folks. You know where to find them. And, uh, you know, remember, Paul's a good guy, folks. If he blocked you, it's your fault. All right, everybody. This is Ron from the Ranging Ron Show. Everybody, have a good night.